still not Tom Cruise, all right? No. <laughs> well, welcome uh, back. This is the second week in our, our series, uh, Top Gun. And um, I said uh, when we opened this that uh, this series has been stern for a while in my heart and kind of forewarned you that we're going to get into what I would call the danger zone of, of faith. You know, Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, in other words, God is searching. He's looking, I think desperately looking, for those that are committed, those that are faithful, because God wants to use them and strengthen them to make a difference in this world. You know, Jesus asked that very poignant question. He said, but when the Son of Man returns, he's talking about when the second coming of Christ, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? You know, how many will have faith? Because faith is the key to living out God's purpose in in your life. You you will never be who God wants you to be without faith. You will never reach your full God-given potential. In fact, without faith, you will live life below what God created you to do in this world. You know, the Hebrew writer says that Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who, what? Earnestly seek him. The first week of this, we talked about burning plows and we talked about leaving anything behind in your life that would keep you from faithfully following Jesus Christ. And today what I want to talk about is taking care of business. I want to talk about digging ditches in life. And I'm asking God to build our faith, to make our faith greater than it's ever been before. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. I wonder, how many of you have ever played the if-only game? You know, if only such and such would happen, life would be easier. If only this or that happened, I I would be happier in in my life. If I only had a, a better job, or if I only had more money, or if God would only answer this one prayer... We, we tend to think that life would be so much better if only, and you fill in the blank. You know, in the context of our message today, we have three kings that join forces to do battle against the Moabites. Three kings against one king. The three kings thought this is going to be easy breezy. We've got three kingdoms we will have a decisive victory here. And so these three kings join, but they find out it's not so easy. In fact is that too often in life, things don't go as you planned. How many of you have figured that out? (laughs) 
it's kind of a rude awakening sometimes. You think you got everything figured out and then things turn in a moment. Well, that's what happened to these three kings. And we're going to pick up in verse 9. It says, So the king of Israel set out with the kings of Judah and the kings of Edom. And after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Instead of winning easily, this, this troop wanders around in the desert for a week and they run out of water. They're thirsting to death. Things have turned on them. And it says, What exclaimed the king of Israel? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of, the, of Moab? It's a dire situation. And here's what hits me, and I kind of want you to tuck this back in your brain. Your greatest need in life can become your greatest blessing if it drives you to depend on God in your life. Scripture says, but Jehoshaphat asks, is there not a prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An official of the king of the, an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. Now, you might remember from the first week, we talked about Elijah with a J. We called him J-Man. And it was to make it easy so we didn't get him confused with Elisha with an S-H. But Elijah, J-Man, was Elisha's mentor, all right? One of Elijah's, J-Man, One of his miracles, big miracles, was he prayed. There was a three-year drought, and he prayed, and there was rain. And he became a national hero. Elijah, J-Man, has been taken to heaven. You know, fiery chariot. That's another story for another day. But So he's gone, all right? So their thinking is, hey, if Elijah taught Elisha, then maybe Elisha could help us here. Scripture says, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, I'm going to give you a little backstory because otherwise this story doesn't make a lot of sense. These three kings are not serving God. These three kings are not being faithful to God. They're not seeking God. God's kind of on the sidelines in their life. Then suddenly they get in trouble. And they do what I think many of us have done in our lives. And they go, oh, no, I'm in trouble I need God's help. Help me, God. Hey, does anybody know anyone that's in really good with God because I need some help here? You know, maybe, maybe they could pull some spiritual strings for us. And so they're talking to people, and people keep bringing up this guy, Elisha. He had 
he was kind of the uh, top gun in Israel at this point. And they're going, maybe he could help us. Because they had heard about Elijah. They had heard about kind of his rookie season as, as a prophet of God. He had parted the Jordan River. Very impressive miracle. Lots of people talking about it. There was a time that Elijah had, had uh, healed this uh, polluted spring. The, the spring was so toxic that anybody that drank from it, it killed him. And so he prays over the water, and the spring is purified. People are able to drink from it. So people are going, he did that? And then there was the time some guys were making fun of him. He apparently didn't have much hair. They're calling him Baldy. And God sends a bear to destroy the guys that were making fun of him. And I'm thinking, that, I mean, that's really in the Bible, by the way. And I think there's a lesson there. Do not make fun of guys without much hair. <laughs> but it seems like, as they're putting these stories together, that Elisha is a very promising option for them. And so they go and they find Elisha. And when they find him, Elisha cops an attitude right out of the gate. He's kind of like, oh, I get it. I get it. You've been ignoring God. You've been doing your own thing. And now you're in trouble and you need God to get you out of this situation. Oh, I get it. And in fact, he gets really serious with kind of push it, pushing on him. He's uh, like, Elijah says to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. You know, why, why are you coming to me with this problem? You know, go ask your mama's prophets and your daddy's prophets. You know, they've been ignoring God, so go to the ones they've been going to. You know, let them help you with this problem. And then after a little bit of back and forth, the three kings keep insisting that they need Elijah's help. And finally, for whatever reason, Elijah agrees to, to help him with the situation. Scripture says, Elijah says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve. See, he's taking a dig at him right there. He's like, you're not serving God. I'm serving God. I'm in good with God. If I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. See, Elijah is singling out two of the kings here. He says, if it were just the two of you, I wouldn't even listen to your request. Jehoshaphat, I mean, he's not serving God now, but there was a time that he feared God. And because of his faithfulness, I'll help you out. You need a prophet. I'm your prophet, I guess. Then Elijah says, now bring me a harpist. And I love this. You can kind of miss this because I'm thinking at the moment he says, I want a harpist. He's like, I want to prophesy, but I need some music. And I imagine they're thinking, 
how about a flute or a lyre, something that's really easy to get out here in the desert, but you want a harp. Yep, I want a harp. And so he asked for that because he wants music. And this is a really common practice throughout the Old Testament. The prophets would ask for music when they were seeking God because there's something that happens when you worship God through music. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, God inhabits the praise of his people. When, when your heart drifts toward God in praise and adoration and worship, I believe things begin to happen. Doors begin to open. You know, most of the time when I'm preparing a message, I'll listen to worship music while I'm working. It helps me connect with God. So Elijah says, I need music because I need to hear a word from God. It says, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. The three kings are very anxious. They are expecting an encouraging word. Actually, I think they were expecting God will send us rain immediately. But instead, the story takes a turn and Elisha gives a command here. It says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Imagine they're going, what? What? I thought God's going to send us some rain. And now we're in the middle of the desert. It's really hot out here. And you want us to do manual labor in this heat? You want us to dig ditches? It says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind. You shall not see rain. Yet the valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. I love Elijah's response after this because he's kind of, you have to read between the lines, but he's kind of matter of fact with them. And he says, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. You have no idea how powerful, how strong, how mighty God is. Uh, God could snap a finger and can make this happen. And that thing that you didn't ask me about, but I know you want, God's going to do that also. He says, he will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. Elijah says, but first you got to take care of business. I want you to start digging ditches. And and there's a principle here, and I want you to get this. Faith that works is faith that works. In other words, faith that is effective, faith that moves the heart of God, is faith that is active in life. Faith moves you toward God in your life. Faith may require you to dig ditches in your life. 
You know, only God could send the water, right? But there are times God wants to send the water, but he wants you to take care of some business. God wants you to dig a ditch, so to speak. You know, James writes, he says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Think about this for a minute. Do you think that God really needs these boys to dig ditches out in the desert to give them water? Do you? No, no, God does not need them to do this. God could do anything that God wants to do. Like I said, God could snap a finger, there'd be water. God did not need anything from them to provide them with water. But I believe God was saying to them, as he gives this command, show me your faith and I'll show you I'm faithful. I'll show you my faithfulness in life. And in fact, I believe God loves to see your faith in life. You know, throughout the, the New Testament, there's a the phrase that occurs many times. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, and you see it over and over again. I mean, how do you see faith? Do, do you see my faith when I pray? No. You don't. You hear my words. You hear my prayer. But you see faith when it goes into action in life. You know, there was a time the disciples were on a boat and Jesus came walking on the water. And it apparently was a little foggy and stormy and they couldn't, weren't really sure. But they, Peter thinks he sees Jesus. And he says, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water, and I will. I'll do it. And Jesus invites him out on the water. Peter gets out of the boat. That's when you see his faith, don't you? The other disciples, the other 11, they stay put. They didn't even ask. But Peter, in faith, got out of the boat. Now, he almost drowned, that's a whole nother story, but, but he showed his faith, didn't he? I believe there are times that God wants to work in your life, but God's waiting for you to participate. God's waiting for you to take care of some business. You know, God's waiting for you to step out in faith and start digging a ditch, so to speak. You know, you see it again and again and again throughout the New Testament. I think about the guy with the withered hand. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. I want to heal you. But I want to see your faith first. I want to see if you believe that I can do this. And so the guy stretches out his hand. And Jesus sees his faith in that action. See, it's faith in action. And Jesus heals him. Another time, a man that couldn't walk for been years, he'd been this way. And Jesus says to him, he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus says, I'm going to heal you. 
but I'm not picking you up. You're going to have to get up on your own. You're going to have to gather your mat. I want to see your faith. See if you believe what I say is true. See, only God can send the water. But sometimes in your life, you have to dig a ditch once in a while. You know, how about the guy that was blind since he was born? You know, Jesus picks up some dirt. He spits in it. He puts the mud on the guy's eyes. Every time I read that, I think, that's kind of nasty, isn't it? But he puts the mud on his eyes. And then he says, go to the pool of Shalom and wash your eyes. In other words, Jesus says, I've, I've done my part already. Now I want you to do your part. And if you do it, if I see your faith in that, you'll experience my faithfulness. See, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, too many times people are waiting for God to show his faithfulness. But the issue really is they're not showing any faith. You have to dig ditches in your life sometimes. I mean, just real simply, you want to quit smoking. So you throw the cigarettes in the garbage. I'm getting rid of these. I believe I can do this. I believe God will help me with this. In that act, there's some faith there. You know, you want a relationship that's gone bad and you want to find healing. Well, maybe you forgive before they ask for it. Or maybe you treat them with love, even though what they're doing is ugly. It's digging a ditch in your life. You know, I know too many parents, they they want their kids to love God and grow up with doing the right things, but they don't come to church regularly. They don't get their kids in the zone. They don't bring their kids to youth zone in midweek. They don't pray with their kids. They don't open the Bible and, and read it with them. Friends, you want water? Dig a ditch. You know, be a godly parent. Do something. Faith works. It always works. It doesn't just happen. You know, I hear people all the time, they'll, they'll come to me and go, you know, I need more money, I need more of this, I'm really struggling, I, things aren't working out. And the fact is, I will say to them in that, God's waiting to see your faith. God's waiting, my advice always, it's the same thing every time. Be faithful to God with what God's given you. You know, give God the tithe, give him the first fruits. It, it, it seems like a ridiculous principle, doesn't it? Yes, but it's God's principle. It's about faith, faith that works, faith that digs ditches. You know, it's giving God the first, giving God the best so that he'll bless the rest. See, only God, only God can send the water. But you've got to dig the ditch. And here's a second principle that you've got to grasp. I believe real faith believes big. 
but it's willing to start really small in life. You know, too, too many Christ followers do not think big enough in their lives. We serve a big God capable of doing so much, you know, exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask or think or imagine. And I also know people who who think big, but at the same time, not willing to start small. That doesn't work either. Think about this. How do you dig a ditch? Ninth century BC, you take a shovel, probably a really crude shovel, by the way, and you start digging one shovel full at a time. You start small, right? And what happens over time? The ditch gets bigger and bigger and deeper. That's how everything works. You know, Zechariah, the fourth chapter, says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Some of you, God's given you a big vision, but you have to start small. You're waiting to do big and God's waiting for you to do small. You start with what's in front of you. You start with what God has entrusted to you and given to you. You start small. Great things, great things always, always, always start small. Always. You know, that's how this church started. You know, 43 people meeting in the Davis's front room. Think big, but always be willing to start small. Always, always. You get that? Always. You got to start small. Only God can send the water into your life. But he's waiting for you to dig a ditch. God, I believe you can. Faith works but faith always works. You start where you are and you move forward in faith. God loves to see your faith. What's he seeing? What's he seeing? Because faith without works, absolutely, completely, totally dead. says the next day. In other words, after they had dug the ditches, all right? The next day, about the time when morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Eden, and soon there was water where? Where? Everywhere. They're overwhelmed with water. Some of you have a significant need in your life. If only 
God would do this, things would be better. If only God would answer this prayer, life would be back on track. Well, do not forget that your biggest need, whatever it is, whatever you're thinking about right now, can become your biggest blessing. It can become a testimony if it drives you to depend on God totally in your life. Because only God can send the water that you want. Only God. Because if someone else could have, they would have. If you could have, you would have. You want that water? Well, God may be waiting on you to dig the ditch. And this is just a simple question to take home with you. What ditch do you need to start digging? What is it? Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit and needs and struggles and all that. Usually, you don't need help figuring out what the ditch is. You already know. In fact, I guarantee you, we could just go around. People go, yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, I know what I should be. I know what I should. It's usually what I should. I know I should. I know I should. That's not the struggle. The struggle's going out in the desert, in the heat, and putting faith to work and doing whatever it is God's called you to do. What ditch do you need to start digging today? Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I know that um, there are many here today that they have a need. It may be for something physical, emotional, maybe a relational issue, maybe a vocational thing. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just whisper. what it is you want them to do. Maybe it's a change. Maybe it's something that they're putting off. Maybe it's something they're afraid of. Maybe it's just moving forward. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I pray that you would whisper, this is the ditch you're to dig. God, we know you're faithful. We know you love each and every one. That We know your heart beats toward those that have faith, that seek you, that step out there and are faithful and obedient. God, may we please you with our faith. May we start digging whatever that ditch is. God, I thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your power. 
God, I pray that uh, you'd bring the water. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise with all we say and definitely with all we do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said, let's stand and worship together.